Warning, the following podcast has been classified as insanely lucrative. Listener discretion is advised. Stack up 100 or 10 of those, you know, and you're making 100 or 200 sales a day. That's fantastic. You have a good profit margin. That's your full-time job and then some, right. you know, you're the richest kid in the block then. Your attention, please, please. Listening to the AMPM podcast may cause recurring revenue streams and unfair unfair advantages over your competitors. Other side effects may include better wallets, fired bosses, and longer vacations. Listen at your own risk. Here's your host, seven-figure entrepreneur and online marketing madman, Manny Coates. Manny Coates. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the AMPM podcast. My name is Manny Coates, and I will be your host. And this is the show where we discuss how to generate recurring revenue streams 24 hours per day during the AM and the PM, hence the name of the show, AM PM Podcast. As a matter of fact, I was just trimming the beard, a little manscaping. And while I was doing that, shaving off those little facial hairs, I was making money. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. So today's episode is an interview with Ryan Bredemeyer from Hello Profit. He's one of the co-founders, and it's a really cool software tool uh, to really check what kind of profit levels you actually are getting with Amazon FBA. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But before we got into that, we started talking about sourcing in China. And the guy has just a wealth of information regarding the topic. So I decided to split this interview into two parts. The first part, which is the one you're listening to right now, will be all about sourcing from China, different things you can do, uh, really cool topics that I haven't heard anybody discuss before. And then in part two, we're going to be talking about a hijacker situation that he's run into that was just mind boggling. And then um, go into Hello Profit and how I use it and all the cool things you can do with it. So anyways, without further ado, let's get into this interview. I hope you enjoy it. I think it's pretty awesome. Let's go. I am here with Ryan Bredemeyer, one of two co-founders of Hello Profit, him uh, and Nakisha Mohammed. Did I get that correct? That's Uh, right. You got it. Awesome. So we have a lot of cool things to talk about. And uh, Ryan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, thanks, Manny. Uh, it's a pleasure being here uh, to speak on your, your podcast here today. It's a real honor and a, and a privilege. Um, yeah, Nikesh and I, uh, we're both uh, uh, co-owners of Hello Profit, as you said. And um, we'll maybe talk about that some more later uh, if, if we get into it. And uh, we, But you know, before that, we, the reason actually we built Hello Profit was because we're firstly Amazon sellers as well. And so we um, we developed you know different systems. It came you know grassroots. It came from spreadsheets and you know our own uh, blood, sweat, and tears to to crunch our numbers together. We finally figured out because Nikisha is a world class uh, developer, she could she could really wrap this stuff and package it into a, a system. So that's actually where HP came from. But you know, firstly, we're Amazon sellers. Love coming up with you know innovative things, building new brands, and uh, uh, and, and growing just growing the empire. Uh, I have partnerships with her and, and other folks. I just uh, love to go into business and, and do great things. That's awesome. So how long have you been actually selling? Uh, you're, you're selling as an FBA seller. How long have you been doing that? Uh, this is my third year selling on Amazon now. Oh, wow. Okay, so quite a while. And you and Nikisha have been partners since the beginning, or is this something that developed later actually, on? Actually, about halfway through or so, I'd say. Uh, yeah, last couple of years here. 
uh, Nikesh and I have went in together. And um, I was in an SEO business before that. She was making websites. Actually, met her husband in line at the app, at the Apple Store, waiting for one of the iPhones. Oh, nice! And, uh, it was a really yeah, providential happening. We stumbled across each other that way, and uh, yeah, worked in different business before that, and then uh, just through great conversations, got into business on Amazon as well. Awesome. So uh, I know that the listeners would really like to know what kind of volume are you guys doing on a monthly basis just on your FBA business? Sure. Well, I got a, I got a, you know, a bunch of different uh, brands and companies you know, on Amazon. So it's yeah, multiple hundreds of thousands a month, uh, you know, when you add it all together. So yeah, definitely doing well. Yeah. That's some big, those are some big numbers. And uh, do you mind me asking uh, how many SKUs you guys have? Do you know off the top of your head? I don't know if it's around 40 or something like that all told, maybe wow. 50. Okay, it's a good number. Do you guys have this all under uh, a single seller central account, or are you doing what a lot of people are doing and spreading these things out? Oh yeah, these are these are totally different assets. Um, I'm in business with Nikisha. I'm in business with other folks too. Um, as I said, I love to build solid partnerships because you know what you come up with is so much greater than the sum of the parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my experience, together. So yeah, I have uh, you know legitimate business need to have multiple seller accounts open, which has the, the happy double effect, you know, of mitigating risk and, and spreading that risk out. Um, over those different brands and accounts. Okay, great. Well, um, I know we talked briefly. There were a few subjects that we thought would be pretty cool to talk about. And um, you had talked about the Canton Fair, some hijacking stuff. And then, of course, Mm -hmm. I I definitely want to get into um, your software suite, especially Hello Profit, since it's so awesome. But um, Yeah, you're welcome. I'd like you to kind of take it from here. Where where do you want to start? Oh, gosh, yeah. There's so many great things to talk about. Um, I was, you know, a few months back, I was at the Canton Fair. Uh, maybe a number of you, you know, a lot of you may have been there before. A lot haven't. Uh, something that's kind of intimidating, at least it was for me. Um, it's two or three hundred football fields of, <laughs> of booths, you know, and Chinese people, most of whom don't, you know, speak my language. So uh, pretty intimidating thing. Went to some great groups, though. Got um, some powerful tips. Some stuff I thought I might be able to pass along and possibly... Uh, possibly help you to implement without going to the fair itself. So kind of the, the virtual Canton Fair idea okay. uh, that, that I've been uh, hoping to share a little bit about that. Um, a lot of it has to do simply with the way that you interact with other human beings. Um, the, the, the Chinese are really relationally driven. Um, you may have heard a lot of some of this before, you know, um, different podcasts of folks coming on talking about that. But uh, if you think you try to step out of your shoes and into the shoes of, of those that you might be communicating to, say via Alibaba, um, they get a lot of requests. And Americans are kind of known to be uh, demanding, belligerent, rude. Um, and if you're able to, to you know, stand out as the, the bright shining star of the Americas, uh, if you're if you're the one that actually asks them how they're how they're doing, how's their day going. Uh, where are you from uh, and what's cool about your, your region or, you know, what can I learn about you? If you just take a couple minutes and try to get to know them on a bit more of a personal level, uh, you'll find something, well, you'll find a totally different supplier on the other end of that Skype chat than, 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 um, than you might otherwise. And so it, it kind of, if you think about it, it, it pretend you were in person with, with that supplier, what, what sorts of things might you ask? You know, um, you may notice something about them or, Maybe they have their daughter with them in the booth or who knows what. Um, you know, you might ask about them and, and, and initiate things on a more human sort of level and approach. Uh, the Chinese deeply respect that and they, they take you in almost as family as soon as they feel you're, you're uh, one of them or, or part of their culture. And so um, if you can just translate that into the e-world and try to um, mimic 
some of that personal touch and some of that interaction, uh, asking about themselves and what matters to them. Uh, you may find over the internet, as I as I have been subsequently, um, similar things that I was able to accomplish over at the fair. Things that you normally can only accomplish at the fair because they see you and they 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 believe in you and trust you and you're you're really there. You came across the ocean to be with them and and they they um, honor that. So they will oftentimes open up um, special cabinet or they'll pull a curtain aside underneath their desk and show you some some other products, some new things that are coming out, some things that are truly hot or that are about to become hot perhaps in, in, in your market. And um, they wouldn't have done this uh, should you have been you know one of those uh, rude, abrupt people that so oftentimes come through their booth and, and through their Skype channel, you know? Yeah. So um, just just being that, that extra... Uh, that extra human element can open an opportunity to you, uh, pull the curtain aside, as I like to say, and, and they'll show you things uh, <laughs> that, that most other people don't have access to. And, and that, can, that could translate into a real powerful opportunity for you on Amazon. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think uh, Americans especially, yeah, we're, we're, we want to get straight to the point. Right. I'm on Skype and you're just like, hey, where's my order at? You know, or, exactly. Yeah. It's late at night, right? And you don't, <laughs> but it's, it, you know, but for them it's daytime and, and they have patience and they really love it when you do too. Okay. So you st- do you uh, do this pr- pretty much on a daily basis? Do you start out your conversation when, you, um, when you're starting your day with them and just say, hey, how's your day going? Or is it a... I, mean, I really try to. I'm, yeah. I'm human and American too, though, <laughs> you know, and I like to get to it. I mean, after you've built up a certain rapport, it's not like you have to stroke them every single time you talk to them. But um, those, those, those few minutes, I've gotten so many different compliments from them over time saying, wow, you are not like other, uh, other Americans. Uh, you know, you, you, you are very friendly. We like to work with you. You know, and it's not because I spent a whole lot of time, really. You know, it's just the, those simple pleasantries go so far. Yeah. Uh, so I can't under, underscore that enough. When are the dates for those that don't know what the Canton Fair is and, and what the dates are? Do you want to mention that? Um, it, the Canton Fair happens twice a year. Um, the first one was in the end of April and uh, the second one's in the fall in October, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you go to cantonfair.net, I think it is. Anyway, you can Google it. You'll find uh, those dates. It's a powerful experience really can jumpstart you uh, in your Amazon business. It can get you powerfully distracted too. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I've been wanting to go. I haven't actually uh, sure. gone out there yet, but uh, how, how many times have you been now? Just once. Yeah. Just once. Was it but, worth, yeah. I mean, what, would you recommend it to oh, all gosh. sellers? Yeah, I mean, all sellers, I don't know. It's it's a very good <laughs> thing to do if you can because, um, yeah, it costs a lot to get over there. It's it's a hassle and a half. Uh, but if, if, you, but you're, if you're able to really get into somebody's heart over there and they show you something special behind the curtain, um, just one thing, you know, uh, if that's one product that you were able to knock out of the ballpark that most other people never have access to and you wouldn't have otherwise, you know, think about it. That, that could be tens of thousands of dollars uh, of profit that you might not have otherwise had. And, you know, that's a powerful incentive for me, at least, and, and maybe for you. Yeah. Well, um, with, with that many products uh, or vendors out there, when you've got football fields worth of oh, vendors, gee whiz. How, how do you narrow it down? I mean, are you going in with a kind of a game plan saying, you know what, I only want to look at very specific niches or are you kind of, do you have an open mind going into it? Yeah. You know what? Um, there's, <laughs> it's the yin and, yin and the yang there. Uh, the, a lot of people recommend that you have specific things or items even that you're looking for, or at least a niche, and then try to hit those areas. And they're giant pavilions that are relevant, you know, to that area. So that's 
more than a, more than you can possibly go and, and see. Uh, if you had a team, maybe you could break it up a bit, kind of all go in with the same game plan and the same notes in the same way. Uh, that would be excellent. But yeah, you know, I, I'm actually quite open to selling just about anything that fits certain criteria for me. And so uh, I went with a bit more of a wide eye and, you know, came up with some really cool ideas that I may well have missed had I been, you know, looking in a certain niche only. So there's, there's different ways to approach that, uh, but I guarantee you'll get overwhelmed at some point. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it'd be just crazy. It'd, it'd be awesome, though, for sure. Yeah. Well, what you, you mentioned that you have a certain criteria. What kind of criteria do you, do you look for for our new products? Um, yeah, I'm generally looking for things that, yeah, that, that already sell well. I mean, I'm not looking in the top 100 necessarily because I really am pretty turned off, as most are, with the amount of competition there. But, you know, um, I like things that sell 10 and 20 a day. That's great. You know, just stack up 100 or 10 of those, you know, and you're making 100 or 200 sales a day. That's fantastic. If we good profit margin, that's your full-time job and then some. Right. You know, you're the richest kid in the block then. So it's it's just not too hard to accomplish that. You can You can get... Uh, 10 products out that are selling 10 and 20 and not have a giant amount of competition on your tail. Um, and so that, you know, then you're in a nice, comfortable position where you can just rinse and repeat and get a team to basically do that for you. You can amass quite a kingdom that way. Yeah. Do you look for products that you can sell within a specific price range? Is there something that you won't go below mm. or go above? I, I used to be more strict on that. Uh, I guess recently I'm, I'm more open to the, the higher price range. It's, you know, if you're able to uh, purchase things, is it's really based on ROI for me. So is it, I generally shoot for about like 150% if I can do that, um, regardless of the price range. Uh, man, you got lots of wiggle room. You know, you can you sell the thing off, you pay it off, and you're able to buy another one and a half units, of, you know, in the profit that's left over. You know, that accommodates a lot of slop, you know, a lot of bad math. It accommodates all, uh, all your uh, advertising more than likely. Um, and have you know some some cash reserves left over for whatever it is launching more products. So as long as I'm, I'm in those ranges, and that's kind of the trick is working out that math ahead of time. I really uh, and as long as it hits that ROI and it has a decent you know some decent uh, demand, can't go wrong with a product like that. Okay, all right. And the, and in terms of the demand, um, are you researching this after the show when you get back, or, or is this one of the products you've already done the research on before going in? I'm usually doing it on the fly. They have Wi-Fi there. Oh, actually, their Wi-Fi stinks. So I bought a little Wi-Fi hotspot, which was one of the best things I did. So I was able to, you know, I could have internet anywhere. And then I just go with a, through a VPN. You can get onto Amazon. You can ch- check the thing out right on the spot hmm, and okay. figure out, okay, look, uh, that's really cool, but nobody is buying anything like this in the United States or where are you selling, you know, Europe. Or, and, and so just pass. Don't waste your time. So, um, you know, having that, I think it was 120 bucks or something, I bought a Wi-Fi thing there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that one investment allowed save me so much time and allowed me to get into so many other booths that did fit my career criteria because, not because I had done the research at home, I, I didn't, couldn't have researched it because I didn't know it existed, you know, but I was able to make that decision fast and move on to the next booth. So that's awesome. So um, you mentioned you're buying this, this is it a Wi-Fi card with VPN of some kind? Or and this is something oh, yeah. you buy when you get there? Uh, you can do either way, but um, yeah, I bought, bought it when I got there, uh, pay-as-you-go thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had like 16 gigs or something, which was way more than enough. I was there for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it could look up stuff on the fly and make good decisions right away instead of, um, uh, you know, because I don't, maybe I didn't, never heard of the product before. Uh, and, I, and I thought maybe it'd be popular in the States, spend 30 minutes in the booth learning all about it and talking to them, only to go to the hotel room that night and find out that, no, you know, it's BSR is like 200,000. Well, 
you know, you wasted 30 minutes of your precious day over in China. Right. So, um, you know, same, same kind of thing you do, you know, here in the States, you find some neat opportunity. You, you, want, you want to check right away and see if it's going to sell or not before you take any time reaching out to the supplier about it. Okay. I know I've thought if I go and I was curious, I'll, I'll ask you this. Um, is it better to, I mean, do you even need a, a translator? Is it worth hiring somebody to go mm-hmm. with you so that you can talk to um, booths where they just don't speak English and maybe that kind of gets rid of some of the competition because people wouldn't be able to talk to them from the States? You know what? Actually, here, I'll, I'll tell you, I think it's a good idea to have a translator, but for maybe different reasons than I thought originally. Um, I was there for two weeks. The first phase I was there, I did not have a translator and was able to negotiate just fine with them and have, and actually there was, there was no barrier. They got to see my kind of fun personality. I smiled at them and it was face to face. All right. And so I think that any language, language barrier that was there, we could mime it out or write, you know, numbers down on a page or with enough gestures and smiles, we got the point across quite well. Um, the second week I was there, I had a translator every day, which actually insulated me, I felt, from the experience of, of operating with these folks. Um, and now the translator had a good experience with them, and of course in Chinese, and it was very fluid, and I got maybe more data out of them on the spot, uh, but I didn't feel like I, I don't really remember those people as much as the first phase. So um, I actually would sort of advise, they're it's cheap. It, things in China are, are a lot cheaper than here, you know, services and such. So, you know, you could maybe get one for a couple of days and, and, and ask them for their feet. They're very deferent, I found. So they'll, they'll treat you like a king. But I asked them to just treat me like, a, like, a, like one of them, like a normal human. And I asked them for feedback. How am I interacting with the supplier? What faux pas am I making? You know, what, what you know, uh, what did I do right and wrong in this in the last interaction? And I got some really great feedback. They they said, well, actually, well, now that you bring it up, <laughs> you know, um, one of them said, well, remember when they asked you if you've sold these, um, I don't know what it was, some wicker basket or something before? Have you ever sold this before? And I said, oh, actually, no. Just it looks like a really great product that uh, I could probably do really well. I could really sell a lot of these in the states. Uh, I don't know what it was, and um, and and so the the translator afterwards said, well, actually, you know, they were testing you right there. They wanted to see if you have if you already have historical sales and, and a whole a huge demand behind you in the states. They're going to be a lot more interested in working with you and maybe giving you a better deal. Um, that you revealed there though that you were brand new in this space. You know, so you're a lot less attractive now. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, so you know, these kind of things are with the benefit of the translator more than the actual translation. Right. So in that scenario, do they expect you? Is it just almost like a, uh, uh, a part of negotiating where you got to just go in and say, yeah, I have tons of experience selling this stuff and we sell tons of units. Or what's, the, <laughs> what's the idea there? Well, um, you can look the, the, their English is broken for sure. So you can get away with not exactly answering their question and they w- will likely assume that you misunderstood or they said it wrong or something. Okay. So you can, there's quite a lot of uh, leeway and slop there. You can work to your advantage because you are fluid in English. And so, um, and there's this really handy element of Chinese culture where I found that they don't ask you a second time. They won't, like, we're persistent, you know, we want to get to the bottom of something and we're rude if we have to be to get the objective done, but they don't, they're too, they're too respectful. So they won't, if you skirt it once, you're generally clear. <laughs> oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. And so how many SKUs have you added just from that visit, would you say? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I mean, I really wish it was a lot more. I think we were on uh, two or three so far. Uh, I mean, it really, I'm, I'm generally, you know, working for uh, my Hello Profit project. So that's kind of the, 
the daily grind. Um, but I do have you know a, a team that's uh, or a team that I'm working on developing. Uh, you know, to help me launch products and such stuff like that. So they're definitely looking into a lot, and um, and, and I've been training them on, on doing the same. So uh, yeah, so far just a few, but okay. there's a there's a ton in the pipeline that you know they're working on. And these are products that you wouldn't have found, you don't think, online through Alibaba had you not been at the show. You know, it, they may well be there uh, here or there, but I, I just I don't think I would have necessarily thought of them or. I might not have thought of them until way later in the game when it was swamped already or um, and some that are yeah just literally they're not on Alibaba so I can't find them online so that is a great value in going there is it like look Alibaba is fantastic for you and me to see great new products and ideas that I might be able to sell on Amazon and make a profit on guess what it's also great for those Chinese Chinese um, suppliers competitors to go and see what items they might swipe and clone and copy to go make a great profit on on Amazon. You see the double-edged sword for them there? Right. So if they put their great products out there on Alibaba, to you and me, they're also showing their cards to their direct Chinese competitors. So a lot of suppliers do not put their stuff on Alibaba or their best stuff on Alibaba because it's just going to get cloned and swiped right away. And these other, these copiers, uh, they typically don't show up to the, the fairs to do that? Um, wait, the the copying competitors? Yeah, I mean, if they're going online on Alibaba and they see a product and they go, oh, you know what, we're, we're going to copy this thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would think they could just well, as oh, easily okay. go to the, the... They would, and they do, in fact. And that's why they keep stuff behind the curtain. That's why they Explain only... Explain that. What, what does that mean exactly, behind the curtain? Well, so remember I was talking about really kind of ingratiating yourself with them, the whole uh, relational piece? Mm-hmm. Okay, once they feel that you're a good person, they trust you, they think they really believe that you're a seller and you're not just you're not just one of their competitors spies walking around to, to swipe all their best ideas mm-hmm. then they'll oftentimes show you stuff that's not just right on display in front of everybody's nose there because they know that their competitors are snooping around just like you know like with everybody else wow. and so yeah they're they're not they're not dummies they want to they want to protect their best ideas and only show it to people that they think are really going to purchase and really going to you know build a good business relationship with they don't want to show it to their competitors and so putting it on alibaba is a perfect way to show it out to all their competitors right now what Everything. a massive difference right between let's say that and like a ces show in las vegas where they have all their best stuff on display because they want to show yeah. the cutting edge where over there it sounds like if you want to see the best stuff they got to make sure you're vetted so to speak yeah, right you're vetted you, you you nailed it exactly so um, you can you can <laughs> you can get vetted you know uh, over over Skype if they so that that kind of leads me to another um, another idea is is when you're with when you're talking to those suppliers uh, on from Alibaba you can you can ask them hey uh, you know after you have that good relationship and rapport with you and you feel that they kind of trust you is you know do you have anything else that you think might really sell well anything new anything that you're proud of or that you might want to uh, that, that you could share with me and you'd be surprised what they pull out from behind the curtain as it were yeah. you know that there's really neat things it's a it's a special trick but you kind of need to have been a human being to them first um, and it's kind of only fair yeah well that's very interesting yeah I, I've talked to people that uh, go to the shows but they've they've never discussed this so this is uh this is cool so yeah. and do you typically go uh, you're saying for multiple days is that right 
Yeah, I was there for like 18 days and missed my little guy like crazy and my sweet wife. Man, that's tough. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Do you uh, do you go back to the um, the same booth in multiple, like on multiple days just to kind of mm. build that rapport or is it just one time get, you know, once you've hey, done it, get the information and you're out? It's all up to you. I, it's a great idea. Um, you know, people, other people I know have talked about that concept and I won't steal their thunder, but um, you know, shoot, if, if you have a good, good thing going um, and you come back a second time, um, you know, then that just like another impression, like another ad impression, you know, mm-hmm. it gets you remembered and they, they, they know you really care. Same time that takes away, you know, precious minutes that you might be way across the fair in another pavilion making a new relationship. It's all up to you. Yeah. Are you customizing any of this stuff or is it, uh, or are you just kind of buying it and stamping your logo on it? What, what's the process there for you? Yeah, I like, I usually customize something. It's harder to hijack that way, you know, and, um, and, and, and generally I, I want to get a, superior product i want to read the reviews and figure out what was wrong and then uh reverse engineer a little bit and make it better uh so that it might not be the the new dominant product in that niche you know within a certain amount of time okay and do you have that supplier um ship the products out for you or do you handle that third party you know yeah i've been all over the map on this and i do it in different ways um I, i i generally once i've um once i've got a good relationship with a supplier let's say you have a good relationship say you've been to the factory and you ate dinner with them and their wife and their kids and they really like you, um, you know, gosh, I, I really believe you can trust them at that point um, to, you know, to provide, you know, superior product that they take a lot of care uh, in production and packaging and shipping. Uh, they, they want to please you, especially now that you're a, a real person to them and have a relationship with them. They're going to want to do all the best for you so that you come back as a repeat customer. I know a lot of people, uh, you know, just won't ship anything without a third party involved um, and checking everything over, but you can actually save a lot if it does require some trust, but I've had really good luck, good experiences with building relationships and then trusting the the supplier to, to, you know, provide great, great service. And they have, so that's what I've done. And they'll handle everything. So the, the logistics of getting it from their factory to, to Amazon or to your warehouse out here, they handle everything for you? I mean, now I have also you know, freight forward and stuff like that. If I'm, you know, shipping by sea and stuff like that, they're, you know, good. You have to have somebody else in between there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll oftentimes have their own freight forwarders, but I like to, I like to use my own in that sense. Uh, just so it's always the same, you okay. know, supplier supplier. Yeah, I know a lot of our listeners and and the members of our FBA High Rollers group over on Facebook are always asking for referrals or recommendations for freight forwarders. Do you have anybody off the top of your head that you'd like to recommend? Uh, I don't. I'm putting uh, you on the spot here. No, I don't. <laughs> Your secret away right now. Okay. <laughs> Your secret freight forwarder. Yeah, very secret. All um, right. No, I, I, I yeah, I'll, I'll, I can get with you on that later, perhaps. Um, have uh, there was one other cool idea though that I could share. Um, oh yeah. So this was I don't know how this came up. It actually was with a couple of my friends, uh, colleagues who uh, co-own one of my brands. Um, so we often, we're always trying to get, you know, this, this, this tug of war where you want to get the best price for your product. At the same time, you, you don't want to push it, push them too hard because they will go lower and they'll give you a, an inferior product or materials or something, right? They're not going to put themselves out of business as you push them too hard. But, um, but they, they do have a sort of economies of scale, you know, set up in their, their operations too. So oftentimes I found that if you, they're not, necessarily all that creative and they don't think of this on their own but they're like oh if you buy 10,000 units you know we can give you a substantially better price 
you know, it's just a lot easier for them to produce a ton at a lower price. Um, but you know, who, who wants to start with a 10,000 unit order? It's just, you know, not, not attainable for most. So not even, not even smart. So, uh, something, uh, that I have done though is, okay, look, um, how about this? Let's place an order for the 10,000. Uh, maybe this is the second order once you've maybe proven that the product is going to go well. Um, let, let's do the 10,000 order, but um, would you do it such that, you know, I pay you the, the 30% up front, like they oftentimes require, or whatever that percentage is that you've negotiated, uh, on the whole 10,000, but then only ship two or four or 5,000 of them, um, you know, with, when they're ready, and I'll pay you the 70% on that. And you, you warehouse the rest of it, uh, and I'll pay you the 70% on the, those portions as we ship those, you know, down the pike. Hmm. So um, that's been a, a creative way. And they've almost always said yes to that because they're very excited to have a larger order, you know. And they got your t- deposit, which may well cost the, the, the goods, you know, the, 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 the cost of the, um, what do you call it, raw materials or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, so they're not out anything. They secured a much bigger order. They have a, fu- a promise of future payment, uh, you know. Uh, another big hunk that 70% down the line, it's, it's kind of a win for them. And on our side, we get a lower unit price uh, from the start. So it's a, you know, it truly really is a win-win. Yeah. That's a really interesting idea. And, and when you do that, Ryan, does it, um, if you're ordering, let's say out of that 10,000, you say, ship me the first thousand. And then mm-hmm. later on you want another thousand. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have to wait? Let's say the, the turnaround time for the initial thousand was 30 days for them to, to build it or to do it. Um, mm-hmm. Is it, does it take that long or do they have everything pretty much ready and they're just stored and ready to ship? Yeah. That's the beauty of it is now you have like on-demand units that have already been, you, you can cut out that whole lead time. Mm-hmm. It's just whatever it takes to ship. So if you need it by air, well, they can put it, they can ship it out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sitting on a warehouse. They're excited to get their, you know, as soon as they get their money, they'll ship it. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a really, really handy. It ca- takes a little bit more cash up front, obviously. Uh, but by the time you get through 10,000 units, boy, you've, um, you've really saved a ton and which is all, you know, pure profit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you found that if you're negotiating a price, let's say 2,000 units, and they say, this is the best price that we have, right? You get that uh-huh. all the time. This is the best price. Um, right. And then you jump a big num- to a big number like 10,000. Is there a, a good amount of wiggle room there? Do they suddenly, are they able to, to come down? Or have you seen sometimes it just doesn't matter once you go over a certain number? Uh, it's all over the place. <laughs> is it? But yeah, but you know, they um, oftentimes there will be a significant, significant drop. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is they have a lot of wiggle room most of the time. Um, like I, I pushed one guy really hard <laughs> and he was like, you know, he was really pleading with me to not push. I, was, I, was like, well, I think we're the, their biggest, their biggest purchaser, you know, customer of a certain thing. Um, he just like, he was just begging me. I can't, I really can't go any lower. Well, then we found another supplier who seemed to be able to make the same exact thing. Um, so I said, Oh, look, I told them, look, we got this other guy over here and they're going to do it actually like a, like a dollar less, a hmm. dollar. And we're, it was, it was like four or $5 per unit. So, um, you know, so I, I, I really enjoyed working with you all this time, but I'm afraid we're going to have to you know, move our production over there. Oh no, 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 no problem. We can, we can accommodate, you know? So it, while it, it sounded like he was on his hands and knees begging because there's nothing else, no more room for him to squeeze out any more, anything else. Uh, there, there was plenty. Yeah, you know, so they're they're smarter they, than they you know. find ways. 
Yeah, yeah. So, and that's one of the things that I just realized. I, I had a particular product. I couldn't get the guy to come down any lower. And uh, so I said, you know what? I'm going to start reaching out to some other suppliers that have contacted me in the past. What, you know, I, I had my initial three or four companies that sent me samples and I, I picked the one that I liked the best and I went with that that company. Mm -hmm. But there was still like half a dozen other companies that I ultimately didn't go through. Right. And I reached out to them and sure enough, you know, just on a whim, one of them looked pretty good. I had them send all the photos and I had them send mm -hmm. um, the product. And they're just like you said, they're about a dollar a unit less on a product <laughs> that costs uh, was costing me about four bucks. Oh yeah, that's and, a huge, and huge it's a, product. Yeah, it's it's humongous, and it was the same, pretty much the same product. And now I'm like, hmm, I just unfortunately I had just placed an order with the other company um, mm, for, for a large number. Yeah, with I already put my deposit and everything. But you're right, uh, it happens, yeah. right? It does. Yeah, but at least I mean I've done I've lost. Tens of thousands, you know, a lot over stuff like that. Like he, he, they were, they were really happy in the first year we we're selling this product to yeah. take it for a dollar more, right? Do you feel <laughs> that you mentioned earlier? Sometimes if you push them too hard, um, they can start skimping on the quality. Do you feel that's that true. that could be the case with this guy if he says no, I can do it? Well, I don't think so. Now, now we've actually dropped it by all that much, and the, and the qualities remain good. So I really think they they can do it. Um, it just it just I have seen it work the other way though too. But this guy knew knew well that we we were a really important customer to him. Mm -hmm. So we said, look, um, the other person that's going to do this for this exact same thing, but like a dollar less, their quality is excellent. So uh, you know we're only interested in continuing with you if you can do it at a dollar less and the quality remains superb. That's all there is to it. And he got it and they've simply just shifted the price and provided the same exact product. So they're still profiting, but less. Perfect. Yeah. yeah you got to use uh, the other suppliers against them for sure. Yeah. So, okay. And um, you mentioned that you customize things. Um, do you customize things to the extent where you need to uh, create entire new molds or anything like that? Have you done that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've done that. It, it depends what sort of a product, if it's rubber or blow mold or injection or, or what exactly you're talking about. Uh, but it can be, from a couple hundred dollars to several thousand dollars or tens of thousands, it depends on what you're looking at. Yeah, and you do all that out there. You you don't do the mold here and then send it out, right? You just find a company out there or the supplier themselves that do it. You know what? I've, I've never even thought of doing it here. Is that what you, have you done that? Or heard I, of that? I haven't actually done it here. I know that uh, there's companies that do it. I know people that have done it and they send in all their 3D work and get everything created and, and sent to them so they can hold it and feel it. Uh -huh. And then they, uh, you know, they, an actual 3D printing of it I guess you could say okay and then they uh then they'll they'll send the information over to their supplier and get it going from there but yeah the cost cool. of that is several times um more expensive than it would be just to to uh, do it there but mm -hmm. a lot of times I think people get frustrated with the, the communication of it all you know yeah yeah you know having a gosh just having a uh, a Chinese sourcing agent over there is probably one of your best things to do as soon as you have the funds for it, you know, um, it's just, gosh, all, all that stuff, you know, they speak English well, mm -hmm. you can communicate what you need and they take it and speak it well in Chinese to on the other side and things just get done. Um, you know, you work out your own creative payment scale with them mm -hmm. so that, you know, they're incentivized to, to do good work, incentivized to get you good prices and incentivized to keep finding new products for you. Mm -hmm. Um, that's going to be, you know, that secret sauce will help really help you to kind of blow up your system and be able to, to cut so much of this out of the middle, which we've spent a lot of time talking about today, if you're going to do it on your own, but they know how to do it a lot better, um, you know, from China. So, okay. Yeah. Let's talk about sourcing agents. Cause that's a, a really cool topic. Um, you, you have a, somebody that you found, well, I mean, where did you find your sourcing agent? First of all, let's see one of my, 
colleagues actually was using one that, and you know, we now use that person. Yeah, we use that person now extensively. But the um, uh, really, if you're in, if you're at the Canton Fair, oh my gosh, they're, they're throwing themselves at you. So there's zillions of booths that you just can't get by, and there's actual, you know, there's people there that are trying to get your business. Mm-hmm. Um, they're generally part of a larger, you know, like agency, which isn't all bad, but it's generally twice as expensive because they get to get paid and the agency gets paid, mm-hmm. you know? So, and uh, yeah, so I've heard of people that are doing like seven and 10% commissions to these agents, uh, you know, against the actual cost of the order. Say it was $10,000 order. Okay. 700 bucks or a thousand dollars goes to the agent for every single order first and future. Oh, wow. So that's, I mean, that's, that's extremely generous. So that, that agent, man, the, once they get a few products up and rolling, they're, they got, they kind of got it made. They're so, retired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it just, it can become a huge, huge right. thing. I mean, and some of, some people that know they're, they're fine with it because their margins are good, mm-hmm. you know, so they can, they can afford that and they keep their sourcing agent like the happiest guy on the planet. And what do you know? That agent does outstanding work for them. They just, you know, can put out so many products. It's great. But there's something in me that just record. It's just not just like, okay, the first time, sure, I don't mind compensating you well. You took a lot of time, find the right solution, all that. But I don't want to pay you that same percentage, you know, on the 17th order. All you're doing is is sending them an email and some labels, mm-hmm. right? So I don't want to pay you 10% forever. It's ridiculous. So, you know, you can make your own kind of sliding scale or cap it here. Or, you know, the first this many orders, you get this rate, and then it goes to this. So I've been trying to come up with ways to, to keep them incentivized to, you know, get the new one out and to help you to, to keep growing. Okay. And is it pretty standard then to uh, for it to be a percentage? Or can you just yeah. pay them a flat fee like, a I guess, an hourly or, or daily or just a commission mm-hmm. off of each one they find? Well, I mean, I think there's all kinds of things out there. And there's and if you're if you're working with a free agent, you know the world's your oyster. You can kind of work with them. If you, if they're p- part of an agency, then you got to you're usually locked into what the agency says has to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's probably even some negotiation there. I just I don't know. I'm not expert there. Yeah. But you can uh, yeah work it out. I like to find kind of the independent people because they're the ones that own their own agency. So now now you can you can work it out with them and and find something that works for you both. Do you have any recommendations where uh, somebody who's listening now could go to start researching and looking for a supplier? That, yeah, that's not know, going to it's tough to China. Yeah, I, you know, I'd probably go to Google because I know that, you know, they're, they're definitely available just if you research. Um, one of my another colleague of mine did some research that way and found a really good one. Um, and then if you find one really good one, you, you, you can, they're probably in, have, they probably have some friends, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then it's, you just kind of got to break the, the hole and then, um, you can get great referrals and one to another. How does that work exactly? I don't use a sourcing, a sourcing agent. So, uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I have a, don't have as many SKUs as you do. Um, I have just over a dozen, but, um, sure. if, if I'm going to expand and I want to try to outsource some of my hours, it might be good if yeah. I have a sourcing agent for them to start finding specific products. Um, do you just kind of give them some basic guidelines and pricing and mm-hmm. then let them start, I guess they have their own databases and stuff they go through to find a factor? Yeah. Yeah. They have, well, look, all sourcing agents aren't created equal. So like you're going to find like somebody is going to be really well-versed in some niche. That's generally how it works. They're not like, I used to think it was just, Oh, they know China, they know Chinese, they know the culture, they can source anything. Well, no, they have, they have some background. They used to work in an automotive area, you know, or they used to do something in, in, in home goods or, or you know, so the, if, uh, ideally you'd have a team of sourcing agents that, uh, you know, they're all working within the niche and in the connections of people that they know in China that, that 
provide that sort of a textile or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, shy of that, if you, if you can, but just like you and I could source anything we need to right now, sure, any sourcing agent can source anything for you right now too, and probably better. Um, they're they're just you're just asking them to to source outside of their uh, specialization, right? So. Right. Um, yeah, and I imagine it also, um, they have the advantage, especially being over there and speaking the language, um, when you think you're dealing directly with a factory, you might not be, right? It might be a trade company. And <laughs> oh, these, wow. these guys would be able to say, yeah, you know what? The deal that you just negotiated with that factory isn't actually a factory. It's a trade company. It, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, that's true. And um, so at, at the same time, uh, yeah, I just learned this recently while I was there. Just because... Um, it's not always bad that it's a, it's a trade company. Um, I learned that the, there are uh, some factories that they actually, they don't have export license at all. They're, they have manufacturing license either. They don't, they don't do that. So they partner with another company, a trade company, which might be just across the street or whatever. And then um, they, they work exclusively through them. And, and so that trade company has the export license and it's, it's the legitimate way to, to work with that factory. So it's not always a, a horrible thing that okay. you're working with a, with a trade company. I used to always discount it, but generally though, if, if something looks like the everything store on Alibaba, <laughs> <laughs> then it really is yeah. the everything store and you don't want to work with them usually. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. I guess I think everybody's been kind of taught, you know, hey, stay away from trade companies because the right. the cost is just going to be more expensive because they've got to mark it up. But right. It well, there is some markup, but, you know, shy of, of, of finding that factory in China yourself, you're, if you want to launch that product, you got to go through them because they're the ones that export it. Yeah. And I have dealt with trade companies. Mm-hmm. They usually will have a rep that speaks very good English or at least a lot better nice. than some of the factories. So that helps. Yeah. Out. yeah. Yeah. And you know what? If If the numbers work for you, and you're also making them happy, there's nothing wrong with that. You right. know? Yeah. Just launch it anyways. That's great. Cool. All right. So we talked about a lot of things here uh, related mm-hmm. to sourcing overseas. Anything you want to, that we haven't talked about, you want to talk about? <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> Are you good? I'm good. Thanks. You're good? All right. Cool. All right, guys. That is the end of part one. I hope you found at least one golden nugget out of there. I think there were quite a few. There was even at least one for myself. So hopefully, uh, again, there was one for you. And we're going to continue this in part two of the interview with Ryan. I think you guys will want to hear what he says next. And we're going to be talking about hijackers and his software, Hello Profit. So uh, check that out in the next episode. And I'll see you in there. You've been listening to the AM PM podcast hosted by Manny Coates. For more information, insider tools, and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit ampmpodcast.com.